Good evening, good day, hello, greetings, salutations, ladies and gentlemen, good listeners everywhere. This is a Good Drop Podcast. You do that so well. I'm Stuart. And I'm Michael. And today we're talking about chartreuse. Yes, this, it's... Uh, this epic green drink. Mm, very I, epic, very monkey. Monkey. And not, not as in the animal, but as in the robe-wearing, bald-headed folk who often live in the mountains. Certainly in our case they do, and we'll be mentioning them a lot. Prepare your ear holes. Prepare them. This is a good drop. Cheers. Cheers. So, Nickel, I have already tried this once before when I bought the bottle and Wait, but I don't think you've had this before just no. as on its own. I, I haven't had it by itself. I've, I've smelt it and it smells amazing. So botanical. Mm. So immensely herbal. It, it smells like I should be washing my hair with it and shaking my head around going, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or something because it, it smells so herbal. It's yeah. got those herbal essences. The, uh, the 130 secret herbs and spices that the chartreuse monks use. Oh wow! So I've just I've just tried it, and um, it's amazing. It's easily one of the most unique liqueurs I have ever tried. Mm, it's really quite nice. It's got a little bit of sweetness to it. Uh, just such complex flavors. Yeah, yeah and the- you can almost pick out the individual things. Like there's a lot of different flavors. That you can pick out in there, but you'd never guess what the hell they used to make it. Which no. is, of course, how the secret has remained a secret, and we'll come to that a little later on. Mm, but I I feel a little bit humbled to be drinking this drink because of the amount of effort that's gone into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, for, uh, for those playing at home and who don't know what chartreuse is, it is a French liqueur made by the Carthesian monks... And they've been making it since 1737. The same recipes. Yeah. Well, well, they've been making what we're drinking today since 1737, but they actually began in 1605. Hmm. Well, in 1605, the uh, Chart- the Carthusian Order, the Chartreuse Order, or also called the Order of St. Bruno, uh, in 1084, the Bishop Hugh of Grenoble offered Bruno, who's the the now saint. The he at the time he was a former chancellor of the diocese of Rheims. Uh, he offered him a solitary site in the valley of the Chartreuse Mountains to build a hermitage and uh, continue his order. Yeah, he built with six of his companions. He built a a stack of log cabins to help with their quest for solitude and contemplation. And that was the beginning of uh, of the order, and of course the uh, beginning of their oh, I've completely lost the word for it. Monastery, hmm. beginning of their monastery, which became known as the Grand Chartreuse Monastery. Yeah, and in 1605, the as as we get back to what Mikkel was saying earlier, in 1605 at a Chartreuse monastery in uh, Ververt, a small suburb of Paris. These monks received a gift from Francois Hannibal d'Etrise, Marshal of King Henry IV's artillery. It was an ancient manuscript for a 
elixir of life. Well, elixir of long life, specifically. Elixir of long life. Yes. Uh, quite possibly made by a 15th or 16th century alchemist. Yeah, and uh, they they began using that almost straight away to produce the drink that would become known as chartreuse. And in fact, they called it chartreuse pretty much immediately. Mm, after the mountains that they yeah. call home. Yeah, exactly. That's because they had to call it something because, you know, monks don't get a lot of money, so they've got to do something to make money, and they made chartreuse. Mm, but it, it took them 132 years to per- perfect the first version of the formula, and that trial involved sending it to the, the mother house in the order of La Grande Chartreuse in the mountains near Grenoble. So... You know, distribution and sales were limited at the time because how do you, how do you transport stuff around except by donkey? So a brother, Jérôme Malbec, actually changed the original recipe in uh, in 1737, mm. and uh, it was adapted again in uh, in 1764 to exactly what we because they. Yeah, obviously they developed it, they adapted it, mm. they added to it. There, there wasn't always 130. There was a lot, yeah. but not 130, and they improved upon it. Yeah, so this recipe, the original recipe was, oh, it's now called the Elixir Vegetale de la Grande Chartreuse. That's a mouthful. And yeah, they changed it and adapted it after they realized people weren't using it as a medicine. They were using it as a beverage. They were drinking it because it was so tasty. So yeah, 16 or 1764, they tweaked the recipe so it was even better and it was an instant success. Yeah, and uh, that that version, the Delagrande Chartreuse, was uh, 142 proof, 71% alcohol. Yeah, no Which, wonder people were drinking it as a beverage. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, yeah, they, they had lots of, over the years, there have been a lot of different types of well, varietals. I won't say types because there, there are two types of Chartreuse, and I'll come back to that. Mm. But a lot of different varietals of Chartreuse. I mean, there's the, the Delagrande Chartreuse that you just mentioned, but um, they made the Liqueur du Nine Centenaire in uh, 1984 to commemorate the 900-year anniversary of the Abbey. And uh, apparently it was slightly sweeter than the standard green variety. And I mm. would imagine if you could find a bottle of it, it's probably ludicrously expensive. Yeah, probably at this point. And because uh, Char- Chartreuse is, um, just as an aside here, one of the few liqueurs that continues to improve over time in the bottle. Yeah, people actually collect these and there's a a lot of techniques involved or things to watch out for. The most obvious one being the silver bottle cap. They changed the color of the bottle cap in uh 1980 something. Oh, okay. Quite quite recently. So if you see any bottles of chartreuse with the silver bottle cap, uh chances are the person has held on to it for quite a long time. Yeah, I mean potentially they without actually knowing, I might guess that they changed it in 1984 at the centenary. I uh, we'd have to check our numbers. <laughs> but um yeah, so then of course they uh they got kicked out of France. Yeah, they got kicked out of France. Oh yes, I, I missed one type of chartreuse, which was white chartreuse. They only which, made that for a few years. Yeah, they they did. They only made it from uh, 1860 to 1900. Mm. So if you find a bottle of that somewhere... You are a very lucky or a very rich person. Yeah, because (laughs) 40 years that was made for. Not a long time in the world of alcohols. No. So in 1789, the French Revolution was in full swing. 
and all religious orders were forced out of the country. So smart thinking monks, they, they made a copy and took it with them and they left one copy behind with a monk who passed it to a friend when he was arrested. Luckily, they didn't search him. So this friend, uh, Dom Bastille, he was a, was a pretty good friend, but he was convinced that the monks would never return to France because, you know, you don't really know how a revolution's going to go. It could mm. go either way. Yeah, and France is a country that has a lot of revolutions. So. Yeah. So, but he he sold it to a pharmacist called Mr. Leotard, who he never produced it himself. He just sat on the recipe for 30 or so years until he died. The Emperor Napoleon ordered all secret medicines to be um, sent in to the government because, you know, it's Napoleon. He wants power over everything. And so, you know, he thought it was a, a medicine, so he sent in a copy, sent in this copy of it, and they sent it back because it's not a secret. It, everyone knows about chartreuse. Yeah. Well, they did at that point anyway. They did. I mean, they didn't know how to make it. Nobody mm. knows how to make it except for the but it, Cartesian monks. But, but it was nearly lost then. The whole recipe was nearly lost. Uh, but when uh, Dom Bastille... No, sorry, not when Dom Bastille. When... What's his name? When Mr. Leotard died, his heirs returned the recipe to the monks who had by then returned to the monastery. So uh-huh. they did come back. He they, was wrong. Don was wrong. Mm, they came back and then, uh, of course, resumed production. And uh, in 1838, they developed yellow chartreuse. Mm. It was a sweeter... It's a sweeter version, more like uh, a liqueur. Yeah. Yes, a, a sweeter version of it. I think they have a yeah. little more... It's, it's 40% alcohol and it's yellow yeah yes and because uh, there's since we've just brought up yellow chartreuse let's take a brief reprieve from history <laughs> to talk about um the differences between green chartreuse and yellow chartreuse mm. because yeah green is 110 proof 55 percent alcohol and uh, yellow is 80 proof and 40 percent and uh, apart from the different alcohol content they are both made from the same 130 herbs and other plants macerated in alcohol and steeped for about eight hours. But a final maceration of plants adds the green color and extra alcohol content to the green type. And the final process on the yellow type is something else. And it's and then they're not likely to give up that secret. Yeah, so it, it starts the same for both. And then they do something different at the end to get the different result. Mm. So what we have is something that's uniquely chartreuse, but different. Yeah. And, uh, of course, both types are actually available in uh, a varietal called Chartreuse VEP, which mm. is short for Velissement Exceptionalement Prolonged, which I'm sure I slaughtered. But uh, it means exceptionally prolonged aging. Mm. And it's made using the same process in the same secret formula, but then it undergoes an extra-long aging process in oak cask. So normally Chartreuse is aged for about five years before it gets bottled and sent to the market. But with these VEP chartreuse versions, it could be eight years or more. It's really up to the monks to decide when the bottles go out. So you don't really know what you're in for until you get it, I guess. And of course, once you get it, you don't have to open it. Mm. You can leave it, like we said. It just gets better and better with age. Yeah, age it like wine. So Well, except that wine eventually has a turning point. It does, but I i mean, keep it in the cellar yeah. and out, out of direct heat and sunlight. Like, storing them in your kitchen is probably not the best idea. 
put it in mm. your linen closet or something. Yes. Yeah, so uh, back to back to history, though. Yeah, they returned to the monks returned to France in about eighteen sixteen, I believe, and they yeah they continued producing chartreuse for another seventy ish years mm. until nineteen o three. And then they were expelled from France again. Again? How rude. This French government, uh, I tell you. Yeah, and their property, (laughs) including their distillery, was confiscated by the government. Yeah, they nationalised it and then sold the brand and distillery to a third party. Yeah, they uh, sold it to a corporation in Voiron who began producing a liqueur that they called Chartreuse, but Mm. it was made using... um, a different recipe. An inferior collection of secret herbs and spices. Yeah, and of course at that same time, the monks had taken the recipe with them and uh, sought refuge in Catalonia, sorry, Catalonia in Spain where mm. they began producing chartreuse. Hmm. So the most of their order went to Italy, but the uh, alcohol-producing monks went to Spain. Mm. Yeah, and so they, they called it uh, Un Tarragon, or Tarragone. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I'm not good on Spanish. Yeah, and um, uh, they produced uh, chartreuse from there for a very long time, right mm. up until the eighteen eight, till the nineteen eighties. But so those uh, private distillers that we talked about, they they were terrible at making chartreuse, and because of lack of sales, they went bankrupt a few years later in nineteen thirty six. Mm. Well, and of course, they it didn't help that uh, while they were acting legally in France. The monks still retained ownership of the foreign trademark for the name Chartreuse, mm. which prevented the corporation from selling outside of France. Very smart monks. Yeah, and of course, outside of France, the monks were selling Chartreuse. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and uh, so... So as, as when, that, when that company went bankrupt, uh, friends of the monks, friends of the order, bought shares to... or bought the shares, bought the rights to that company and donated it back to the monks so they could continue producing this fantastic liquor we are drinking today. Yeah, and of course they then went back to back to Chartreuse. their distillery and yeah, back to Chartreuse and continued and for quite some time produced Chartreuse in two locations. Mm. And both um, in Spain and in France. Yeah. But they yeah, they closed down the Spanish distillery recently. Mm, in in the nineteen eighties, yeah. Which is, I suppose, not that recently. Well, it's pretty recently. It. It's 30 years. Yeah, by, by alcohol standards, yes. Relatively <laughs> recently. And, um, yeah, and to, to this day, the exact recipes for all forms of chartreuse remain trade secrets, known at any given time only to the two monks who prepare the herbal mixture. Mm. This recipe that's enjoyed by millions of people around the world is only known by two people. That blows my mind. It just... Yeah. Yeah, and you'd think that some scientist somewhere would go, we can just analyze what's in this. They tried. But, yeah, <laughs> they exactly. Act- scientists actually tried to decipher this cocktail of herbs and spices and botanicals, and they couldn't. They got close, but it's not good enough. Like, it was never, it never tasted the same, never tasted like the original recipe. Mm. And and admittedly, you could see why it is very distinctive. It's mm. it's sweet but spicy and pungent, and it's you know similar to other herbal liqueurs, but at the same time, very different. Yeah, its flavor varies like other liqueurs, depending on the temperature you serve it at, mm. and and what you serve it with. 
Well, we're, we we're currently drinking it on the rocks. Yeah. Because we're not sure what to mix it with, and the bottle says enjoy on the rocks. Yes, well, and uh, while it is used in a number of cocktails, because it has such a strong flavour, it's usually only a few drops. So if you mix it with something, you really don't want it to be anything that has a flavour of its own, mm. because it will likely just clash with the flavour of the chartreuse. That's it. My favourite part about this whole story is that the monks are really only making it so they can continue their life of contemplation and uh, solitary, solitariness? Solitude. Solitude, yeah. Yeah, because no one pays you to be a monk. No. And we live in a capitalist society. Yeah. It's a capitalist world, consumerist world. So they need money to pay taxes and other levies and keep themselves alive. So they've produced this drink enjoyed by millions mm. to continue their order. Yeah, this absolutely fantastic drink. The, the more of it I have, the better it is. Yeah. And that could in part be because it's 55%, but it could yeah. also be because it's just really good. Mm. Well, it's well worth the price you pay for picking up a bottle. Well worth the... I think I paid about 80 bucks for this one. $80 for it. Mm-hmm. It's not cheap. Well, but you you wouldn't think so. I mean, there's only one place in the world that produces it. Mm. The... Carthusian monks in the Chartreuse Mountains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, if something is only being produced by one producer, obviously we can't have a good drop and an odd drop and a and mm. a top drop because they are in fact all the same drink. Yes, but I would say that Chartreuse is our good drop and our top drop for this episode. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, how how many bottle caps would you give Chartreuse? Actually, I'd give it nine and a half. It's hum. It's a humbling humbling drink because the the monks aren't doing it to get rich they're doing it to to survive and it's it's a really nice drink it's much much nicer than i was expecting it to be yeah and it's, and it's simple to enjoy as well mm, you, absolutely. You, can, was... you can mix it in cocktails and you can drink it on the rocks that's it yeah and that uh, that distinctive green color mm, is it really sets it out yeah it really sets it out and of course the um the colour chartreuse, which is actually the same colour as the drink, was named after the drink in 1884. That doesn't surprise me. I knew I knew it was a colour. Yeah. I knew there was a colour called yeah, chartreuse. Yeah, chartreuse is a colour, and it is, it, it is called chartreuse because of this drink. Mm. Because it's the same green. Yeah, it's the exact same green. As this drink. It's a very unique colour. So, yeah, it's nine and a half because it, it loses half a point because it's really alcoholic because it's probably a bit more alcoholic than most drinks i would prefer yeah, so you can only have one hmm, which two. is a shame because it's so pleasant mm. and obviously you don't want to drink it quickly you don't want to be slamming it down or anything insane like oh. that i mean apart from that it would be a waste yeah it'll it's, just knock your socks off it's yeah potent so what would you rate this method so i i think i would uh i would also probably give it nine nine bottle caps I, I haven't tried the yellow yet, mm. so I'm going to hedge my bets and give this a nine, just in case the yellow is nicer. Yeah, well, I, I'm not a huge fan of super sweet drinks, so I I like how this is a little sweet, but not overly sweet. Yeah, I'll admit, I'm not a huge fan of super sweet drinks either, but when they can get that good balance... Mm. Which what is what this mm. has? <coughs> yeah, I mean a, a good balance of sweet and bitter, and yeah, it's just a really well balanced beverage. Mm. Very very nice. Mm. So we recommend it. I do, I do. 
do go and try it. And uh, some of the bottles look fancier than the bottle that we acquired. Mm. Uh, I I have seen bottles of chartreuse that look like the Holy Hand Grand of Antioch, which is <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, quite quite. A, I don't know if you can still buy it in that bottle, but maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I haven't seen it myself, but you can still buy that. Oh no, I'm thinking of Chambord. My bad. Oh, Chambord looks like it's the Holy Hand Grand of Antioch. <laughs> That's a completely different drink. completely different drink, but a similar sounding start to the name. It's a sh sound. Mm. So that uh, original recipe, the uh, Elixir Vegetal de la Grand Chartreuse. You can still buy that recipe in some places. Um, mm, wow. Well, not the recipe itself. But I mean, the the alcoholic drink. They sell it in. Yeah, and uh, interesting bit of trivia. Apparently, the uh, the Titanic was actually supposed to be serving a chartreuse based dessert Ooh. on the night that it sank. <laughs> well, that's not good. Not a good sign. Yeah, maybe the captain had too much. <laughs> mm, potentially, yes. They he may have tried it first. So if you like this story on the chartreuse the carthusian monks check out the documentary called into great silence it's an award-winning documentary on the the order check Mm. it out let us know what you think yeah and uh if you try chartreuse let us know what you think about that Mm. hey so i've i have had chartreuse a few times before but in cocktails most notably an abc shot back when I was 18 and first going clubbing. Oh, yes. And wasn't that a bad idea? Because that's uh, the original ABC shot. The original ABC, which is a third of a shot of absinthe, a third of a shot of Bacardi 151, and a third of a shot of chartreuse. It's It burns the whole way down from the tip of your tongue to the back of your mm, throat. But that warming effect it gives you is uh, unlike nothing else. Ugh. No, thank you. I will not be doing another one of those. Yeah, it's. it's I, I'll not tell that story. But, uh, <laughs> keep it. Keep it PG. Yes, keep keeping it PG. We haven't. We haven't even sworn in this episode. It's. It's a monk episode. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it worthy of the monks. Yeah, because yeah, they they've they've gone to great effort to keep this recipe alive. Yeah, because you have to remember when you drink chartreuse, you are drinking hundreds of years of tradition. It's a it's a three hundred year old recipe that you're drinking. Yeah, that hasn't changed mm. at all. In that, even the way they make it hasn't changed. They, yeah, they do it exactly the same. I mean, nobody knows what it oh. is, but it's exactly the same way that it always was. They have changed manufacturing methods over the years, not not in terms of like changing what ingredients they use, but they've gone from copper stills to uh, column stills, I believe. So stainless steel column mm. stills. Well, I mean that just makes sense because mm. they're also increasing the quantity that they're producing, mm. so they want to be producing it more efficiently. Yeah, and I mean grain alcohol is grain alcohol, or sorry, not grain alcohol. They use grape alcohol. Sorry. Yeah. They use grape alcohol, and there's a child screaming in the background that I can hear through my headphones. Yes. So we apologise for the child screaming <laughs> in the background. That was. Hmm. Someone uh, has been sent out to shoot the child, and in a matter of... No. <laughs> no shooting children. This is a, a good drop, not a good shot. Yes. This is a good drop, <laughs> and an ABC shot is, is an entirely different thing. Yeah. It's it's nothing to do with children. So uh, what, when was the first time you had chartreuse, Mickle? Uh, oh, I believe it was in, in an ABC shot as well, mm. actually. First introductions. Um, 
probably in 2011, I would guess, 2010, mm. 2011, thereabouts. Yep, it's, it's brutal, that shot. But yeah, that's that pretty much wraps us up. That's the whole history of the monks from start to finish, this yeah, well, small the, the Catholic order. Yeah, the abridged version. The abridged version. For, for more detail, do do watch the documentary. Yeah, or mm. uh, or check out their Chartreuse website. They've got a... They translate it into English for for everyone to read. Oh, lovely. And, of course, check out our website. Agooddrop.com.au Yep, and uh, feel free to email us with any uh, thoughts or ideas or suggestions. Yeah, our email address is agooddrop at gmail.com And, of course, you know, tell your friends about us and uh, keep listening to us. Get them to listen to us on iTunes if they have iTunes. Yeah, we're on Which... iTunes, we're on Facebook, uh, a good drop podcast. Uh, where else are we? We're on um, we're on Podbean. We are. Mm, we are on Podbean. Yes, we really should get ourselves on Spotify. Uh, yeah, um, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, and uh, we should maybe get an Instagram. We should get on Instagram so we can um, give we sneak can previews. In- Instagram these things. Yeah, sneak previews or what we're drinking at the time. I always swore I would never photograph food or drinks, but I, I've begun photographing drinks already, so I might as well put it on Instagram. <laughs> might might as well start for the podcast. Yep. So be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Sambuca. Yes, the uh, lovely anise-flavored beverage that, uh, well, if you like anise, like like I do, it's it's one I'm looking forward to recording. Very nice. This makes anise drink number two after absinthe. Mm, it does. It's uh, not as strong as absinthe, though, so this will be a safer one to record. Yes, we got a bit silly on the absinthe one. So, yeah, that, that wraps us up. Uh, if you've got anything else you want to let us know about, your favourite drink, your your worst drink ever, your good drunk stories, you name it, we want to hear it. Yes, indeed. Uh, do let us know. And until next time, I've been Michael. And I'm Stuart. Cheers. Cheers.